to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven and our homes. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependence.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash New Haven Independent or go to your Facebook page and look us up. You can also hit C first to hear all the great programs we have here on WNHHLP. And I want to mention that we are also streaming on Pro Cannabis Media and Green Haven Media. So welcome to the show. I am your host, Joe Lachance. Uncle Lou is running a little late. He had some business to take care of. So I'm going to be flying solo for a little bit until our guest gets on the air. But I just wanted to welcome, uh, you know, welcome everybody back. Uh, we were off for two weeks, and I hope everybody had a great New Year, a great holiday, you know. And now it's time to just get back to work with some really, really great things going on in Connecticut. I mean, everybody knows that tomorrow is the first day of legal sales. And um, I know that a lot of people might be disappointed that, of course, it's the existing dispensaries and it's the, the existing um, growers that will be providing the, you know, the materials for the for the rollout. But let's, you know, let's look at it as just a first step. That's really what it is. It's the first step to having more people getting involved in the industry. Uh, we will be having more dispensaries open that were opened by social equity applicants. Uh, you'll be able to have your choice of who you want to support and who you don't want to support. Um, so it's only a first step and it is a milestone. And we have to remember that it is historic for the state of Connecticut to have legal sales. And as somebody who worked on it very, very hard, I am very, very proud that they that it finally got done. Whether it's a perfect system or not, I don't want to debate that because I've expressed many, many times about my feelings about how the state of Connecticut handled the licensing and the way they gave out licenses and even during the legalization process, some of the things that they did not include in the bill, some of the things they did include in the bill, but it was called compromise. And, you know, it was either that or not get it done. And I got to say, after seven years, uh, the consensus was that this was better than nothing and that we could work on it as things go forward. So um, that's where we stand. I'm very happy for the state of Connecticut to have their first day of legal sales. I hope everyone out there supports the legal industry, uh, but also supports the other parts of the industry too. And the legacy market is very, very important. Just remember that the legal market, uh, the adult use market has a limit. 
it's only a quarter ounce at a time. And that means a quarter ounce uh, worth of flour or the equivalent of uh, that in edibles. I think they're only going to let you allow to take two vape pens. So it's going to be a little bit restricted. You, If you want to get more, you know, you have to work around the system a little bit. Um, but, you know, again, we're looking at delivery. We're looking at a robust cannabis industry here in Connecticut. As long as we're patient and as long as we understand that we always have to still keep fighting, keep your hand in, in the pot and make sure the legislators know you're there, that you really, you know, there are certain things about this that need to be changed. But for now, uh, we have to just go with what we got and, um, you know, let's all try to come together and enjoy the, the fact that we can now and we'll be able to grow in another six months. So let's look at the positives and not the negatives of the whole thing. But so that's my little spiel on the first day of sales. And um, so, but now I wanted to move on. There's an event going on over at our friend uh, Duncan's shop, Better Ways in Brantford. And that is on January the 19th. That starts at 6 p.m. And that is a paint party. Uh, and if you want to know a little bit more about that, that is going to be hosted by Shady Dankin. And um, it looks like it could be a good time. You know, it's a paint party, obviously consumption available. Um, and, you know, it's a good way to get together with like-minded people. So, uh, and support better ways. Duncan's a good guy. But uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up before our guest comes on um, was the fact that it's a little bit of a local thing that's going on here um, where I live in Puerto Rico right now. And as you know, I spend some of my time here and some of my time in uh, Connecticut. I will be coming back to Connecticut soon to start working on a, a few projects now that the uh, process is moving forward so um expect to see me back in connecticut very very soon i'm just waiting for it to warm up a little bit if you know what i mean um but yeah it's nice down here but we do have a little situation one of our um one of our citizens down here his name is jawit he is a um he's a rastafarian and he makes drums he's a drum maker he's a cannabis um proponent and he was an activist back when he lived in the States. And I guess that's part of the problem. He's been living down here for eight years on this beautiful island, providing drums, organizing drum circles, just being a really, really help to the community. Uh, you know, and he's a really, really good guy. But he got arrested in Pennsylvania about eight years ago. Um, right now, he's being detained in custody because they want to extradite him for a charge that he had eight years ago and he did fail to appear in court. Um, so it was a small town in Pennsylvania called Genesee. And I wanted to just um, share, there's a fundraiser going on for him to help him with his legal aid. And, you know, I know it really doesn't have a lot to do with Connecticut, but this is a cannabis activist who was arrested for growing in his home in the state of Pennsylvania. And of course, as a Rastafarian, it's it's more of a religious thing for them. And he's a real Rasta, you know, he's not, you know, just somebody who has dreads. He's a real Rasta and he, and he does practice the religion of Rastafari. 
And um, they still arrested him, even though it was for a religious practice. But um, now they they arrest everybody for everything. That absolutely sucks, Joe. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to help this guy out. I posted his fundraiser on uh, and welcome, Lou. I posted his fundraiser on my uh, social media and I will post it on the uh, Cannabis Corner social media as well. Yeah. But if we, we can help him out. Get the news out for everybody, Joe. You know? Yeah. How and I don't know if that good brother. I'm sorry. I'm a little late. That's all good, brother. I just wished him a happy new year. And I went over what's going on in, um, you know, with legal sales going on tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, man. It's a big tomorrow, day. This is, this is one of those interviews. It's a big day. Yeah. But, you know, I call I call um, a flag on the play for that one in general, just because, you know, there's nobody that got a license that's going to be open tomorrow. Tomorrow's all the established people. You know what I mean? So it's not right. it does, it's not really like, OK, but. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what I said. You know, it's like it's not perfect. It's not what we wanted. But just the fact that cannabis is being sold legally in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Is a milestone. You know, it's yeah. a, it's, a, it's historic. I will be at home smoking the weed that I grew, Joe. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to be waiting in line to get the first uh, bag of I legal am not, cannabis. I'm not waiting in line, Joe. Uh, God bless. Not for a quarter ounce. Who did what they did, and you know, bless their hearts and all the other great things for the. Uh, you know, everybody do your own thing. Is you know me. I don't. I'm not a hater. I just corporate do what you do. But right. they definitely didn't give us an advantage or anything like that. So where they say, hey, we're trying to give you guys first market advantage, that's, that's BS because they didn't do any of that. You know, they basically gave the medical providers a six month, a five month or whatever it's going to take us to really get through to things. A head start, you know what I mean? So, yes, it's great that legal cannabis is now part of Connecticut. But if somebody would have asked me where they can go buy legal weed, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> go look it up <laughs> you know I, I, I don't know ask google <laughs> you know so, but i'm excited for the whole thing you know we're super excited about the future of legal cannabis there's going to be a ton of jobs that are going to be opening up my estimate is that over a thousand jobs will be opening up in the state you know what i mean over the next yep, year yep yep so Totally, totally. I know that, That's what you know, I was any saying. Any type it's, of cannabis workforce development or any type of cannabis workforce training is going to be super important over the next couple months. Yeah. You know, with legal sales going in, we could say that. I know that Keeper is going to have some classes starting up. I know that the whole system is going to start up. So we're going to we're going to endorse all of that and push that forward as well. You know what I mean, Joe? You but got just it, that Lou. cannabis workforce training. If you see that any place, just make sure you. Put an eye out for it, you know. What yeah, I, mean? I think people need to understand those people who want to get in the industry on the ground level, um, who may not have a ton of experience, might you know, it's it's a good way to get some training. I know I worked at the school in Massachusetts, uh, and I gotta tell you, we put a ton of people in the industry because we were open right at the right time when legalization came in. And yes. you know, with the right training, even if you have zero experience, zero. You can learn enough to get a job in the cannabis industry. And this I know. And these are going to be well-paying jobs, Joe. You know, let's yeah, not... because the state, right, because they're unionized. And the state of Connecticut, fortunately, is one of those states that is very worker-friendly. And they want to make sure that people are paid a living wage. And, yes, the cannabis industry tends to pay 
um, on a higher average than most, uh, let's say, entry level jobs. Right. You know, entry sure. level for entry level for most boat bud tenders is like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five dollars an hour right. just in the market currently. You right. And I mean? benefits. So, so, I mean, it's it's going to be a good deal for anybody who wants to get into it. And like I said, you do not need experience. All you need is a little bit of training. This I know from my own personal experience. I have seen it happen. So, well, yeah, you're 100 percent right. And I know that the Cannabis Workforce Development Training Programs, I know that we're at Nautilus, we're going to partner with them. And I'm pretty sure that Kiber is going to partner with them. So it's just finding which organizations are being partnered with cultivation facilities, retail dispensaries, hybrid facilities and things like that, you know, and then that way you can pick that right out of the hat, you know. Exactly. But our guest is here, Lou. Oh, I absolutely am super excited to talk to our guest today. Yes, very, very good. So on the line with us today is Jocelyn Serta. And Jocelyn is a budding equity-focused social entrepreneur raised in Hartford, Connecticut. And at the age of 20, Jocelyn was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder that changed her way of life. Quickly realizing that the way we operate as a society did not fit with her wellness needs, Jocelyn's focus shifted to helping others like her and working to create accessible, healthy spaces. With experience and commitment to working with agricultural businesses, extensive experience in retail sales and program management, Jocelyn is able to manage So Chill CBD, a lifestyle and wellness brand, Mercado Pop, an upcoming food cooperative that works with BP, BIPOC farmers and helps address the issue of the food apartheid in the city of Hartford, and is now co-owner of Shangri-La CT, a prospective cannabis business in Connecticut. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Um, you know, have some time for myself today, so I can't complain about that. How are you? Very, very, hey, very Jocelyn, good. Jocelyn, it's Louise. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Louise. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you guys. I'm always watching what you guys are doing. So this is, I'm, I'm super excited. Super, I'm feeling honored. There we go. That's, I think oh, well, that. thank you. Well, we're, yeah. we're just as honored to have you on the show. Um, how do you feel about uh, legal sales starting to, to, tomorrow? Lou and I were just discussing that. Oh, well, I think. It's great. I think it's super exciting. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, just how everyone else responds to it. Um, I mean, I know Massachusetts has has been doing it for a little bit. Um, and, you know, some folks may be, you know, going over there to get their uh, medicine. But I think it's uh, I'm interested to see how the dispensaries, um, you know, just go about it uh, tomorrow. Um, and just getting uh, the feedback on products and just the process in general. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Oh, I absolutely understand what you're saying. Like, how did they set it up for both medical and um, adult use sales? Like, what was the process? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. We'll be able to, you know, how, we'll also be how able did they to do see, this? Yeah. We'll also be able to see how that whole thing works out. So 100% yes. that they're going to have long lines. Now we'll also see if you have a medical card, will you be able to skip the line? How long that line's yeah. going to be? There's also a new product mix. Um, some of the 
established producers are now introducing gummies and kind of another edible product line that's coming into the space. You know, it's not it's not the most ideal that we didn't get a uh, a very exciting congratulations on your prospective adult use cannabis businesses with Shangri-La. We're very excited to have a local individual doing those things. So we're we're very excited. Um, where are you guys look? If you know, can we talk about any of that stuff? Uh, yeah, we, where, yeah. We, we where should, are you uh, looking to open up? Well, there's still, as you like, may already know, <laughs> finding retail in Connecticut hasn't been the easiest uh, thing. Um, you know, just I well, with that has been my experience uh, so far. There's been a lot of, you know, not to like talk down on the market, but there has been a lot of like, um, you know, on my end, gatekeeping around uh space and oh once, yeah you know yeah like once you tell folks that hey i'm going to open i would like to open a cannabis retail store here oh their eyes you know they you see the little dollar signs popping it you know popping out and they're like okay so and then they charge like way more than the uh the uh, fair market value you know and it's 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 tough you know so you're trying to find something that's affordable um, and worth it in the, you know, in the long run. And then if the city doesn't really know you, um, it is really hard to do, you know, it's a, a little oh, more. Yeah. I'm facing some of those same things, you know, so as we're opening mm-hmm. up, um, I guess it's, it's, we have, so I also have a, you know, as you know, so very congratulations to the individuals who did move into that space, but we're finding the same issues and that's kind of becoming the most common thing around everything is that, um, there is a lot of gatekeeping by the real estate companies and now even the cities, you know, I'm having an issue in Bridgeport yeah. zoning meetings. That's why we tell everybody, go out to your zoning meeting, go out to your local, um, your local zoning boards, your community action boards and get out mm-hmm. there and talk about what you're doing, because no matter what, we want to make sure that cannabis is is open and available because right. not having any places. And then and then, you know, like I'm in Bridgeport and we're having some issues where. They want to stick everything over by where to, to keep it frank and exactly how I was explained by the strip clubs and the, you know, mm-hmm. super industrial, more undesirable areas versus mm-hmm. being able to embrace this and be in spaces that are more mm-hmm. receiving and more applicable to like an Apple store type of atmosphere, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're treating so would... it like a shady business, you know, like cannabis is a shady business and, you know, so they want to keep us, you know, tucked you know, away. But, you know, luckily, um, so my hometown is Hartford. Um, you know, I love Hartford. Um, Hartford is a, you know, it's an up and coming city. So we used to be the the shit, sorry, excuse my language. And then, you know, economically, we had a few uh, tumbles. So I, I, I really want to see, um, you know, the cannabis biz, uh, industry really uplift Hartford, uh, along with other industries. So I know for sure, we're going to have a home in Hartford. Um, and I'm going to go see a space today. So wish me luck, you know, oh, good luck, good, <laughs> yeah, good luck, good luck, good luck. So you. now Shangri-La is your new business and that is, um, you're going to be doing a cannabis dispensary with Shangri-La. Yes. Yeah, so we actually have, uh, who we have, uh, four dispensaries that will be able to, uh, operate in Connecticut, um, and we also uh, were lucky enough to get a uh, section 149. So we will be growing um, as well. 
Okay. So yeah, there's, so there is a lot of real estate you have to be looking for, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, we've been very busy, very busy. <laughs> yeah. But I got to tell you, it's nice to see that somebody from the cannabis community is mm -hmm. actually a part of, you know, four dispensaries and a growth facility, you know, and it's nice that Lou, somebody who is a part of the cannabis community is actually has his own cultivation and production facilities. And this is why we fought so hard for legalization, so mm -hmm. that those people from within the community who did choose to get in the legal industry had avenues to do that. You know, whether there were bumps along the road, like we all know there were, it was not an easy licensing process. Um, but this is the state of Connecticut. This is bureaucracy. You know, we know how that goes. Mm -hmm. And but both you guys made it through. And, you know, I just want to say congratulations and best of luck in, in what you're going to be doing. But, you know, this is toward this is your journey now. I wanted to start back at the beginning because it's very interesting to me. You got into the cannabis industry probably for one of the same reasons I did was that I had an autoimmune disease and I, I wanted to explore cannabis and CBD as a way to heal it. So tell us a little bit about your journey how you entered into the cannabis space, what motivated you? Yeah, ooh, it's been an interesting journey. Um, I could definitely say that. Um, I've been uh, consuming uh, marijuana since uh, college. Uh, that was around the time I was uh, diagnosed with uh, Crohn's and colitis. And if you know, you know, Crohn's and colitis, it, it, it can be very debilitating if it's not, you know, managed. And, um, you know, I never smoked marijuana before college. I was just like, no, you know, didn't, wasn't really interested. Uh, crazy. I can't even believe it. <laughs> but, you know, once I learned how marijuana helped uh, just reduce the inflammation in your body, you know, and, and helping Crohn's flare up, I was just like, yeah, I need I need to try this um, because it was just getting to that point where I really needed help. Mm -hmm. um, and after trying it, I mean, I was able to eat, I was able to gain weight. Um, I was able to, um, I also suffered with a lot of anxiety, depression. Um, and I was just creating more, I was just uh, becoming a happier person. You know, I think my journey, um, you know, just truth be told to being a happier person started uh, with cannabis, right. believe it or not, you know. And um, so, you know, I, I kept on consuming, um, you know, throughout the years, I just never really um, stopped. Uh, I was on Remicade and um, which is a bi-monthly infusion for folks who have Crohn's and um, it wasn't, you know, helping. So um, you, you shouldn't do this, but <laughs> I just, you know, I just stopped, um, you know, taking that uh, medicine and uh, really relied on, you know, just eating healthier and consuming weed. But anyways, um, there was a time uh, where I had, uh, got some weed from a friend, uh, who ended up getting it from a friend of a friend <laughs> and, um, I smoked it. And unfortunately to my surprise, it was laced. Um, and I had a really bad experience, uh, well, negative experience, uh, with it. It was, um, you know, one of the craziest highs I've ever felt, but I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, you know? Um, and I became a little, uh, paranoid, 
um, and concerned uh, when I would uh, try to consume after that, you know, experience, um, I would get uh, panic attacks. Um, and I'm like, wow, you know, is everything laced, you know, um, and just, you know, thinking like that and not to, um, you know, talk down on, you know, the legacy market because of this one little incident, right? It was just, there's some, you know, greedy people out there, you know, who just want to do, you know, shady things. And um, I, you know, just got frustrated and I just stopped consuming marijuana. Now at the time, um, I was working at the farmer's markets in Hartford. Um, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of different agricultural businesses, local makers, and I literally bumped into some CBD at the farmer's market. Um, oh, wow. I had, yeah, I had already uh, learned about it, um, but I didn't, you know, have access to this. You know, I didn't have, um, you know, it wasn't in front of me every day. So to see it, I was like, wow, you know, what is this? And I tried, um, it was a little chocolate Lego um, infused with CBD and I ate it and I, it was the best thing for me at the time. I'm like, what is this? I felt, you know, the benefits, right. I felt like how I would feel if I smoked a joint kind, you know, kind of that relaxation, no anxiety, you know, my mood was a little better, but I didn't feel that paranoia that I was feeling over the last, you know, um, few times that I tried to smoke it. But anyways, um, and I just got really excited about it. I got really excited about what it did for my body. Um, I wanted to learn everything I possibly could about CBD. And uh, the person that introduced me to CBD uh, actually became my mentor um, and taught me how to make products for myself. Oh, wow. You know? Nice. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, I was just very um lucky in that way um it was just right place right time and one day um so in my past life i was a party promoter <laughs> i used to go around <laughs> and promote parties at you know clubs and um i quickly realized i'm just like you know i know that i'm not the only one dealing with you know social anxiety i know i'm not the only one dealing with you know chronic illness um and just uh, burnout, you know, I was, you know, also feeling very tired at the time. So I started um, just hosting events at uh, my friend's house, like my friend's apartments, my friend's businesses, um, and eventually started, um, you know, working with like uh, local businesses in Hartford um, who would um, be open uh, to CBD um, to start hosting events where I would like promote the benefits of CBD. We would have smoothies, we would have a massage person, we would have live music. And it was just very chill, you know, for someone who um, has social anxiety and is just kind of tired all the time from, you know, having a chronic illness, yeah, from I, working I, all I, the I time. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much, how debilitating a chronic illness can be. Mm -hmm. how it it ends up almost taking over your life i hate to say it mm -hmm. and how much relief you can actually get and this is all medically proven relief you know because cbd is an anti-inflammatory and we know that a lot of this is caused from inflammation um and so i think that the the fact that you're able to continue to do this stuff 
while you still have this is, you know, it's, it's, it was a very important thing and that the cannabis and the CBD helped you get through that. But this mm-hmm. is how So Chill got started, correct? Yes, this is how So Chill got started. Um, I started um, really getting involved through um, just advocacy. Um, I had a friend who knew uh, Jason Ortiz, which is a mutual, mm-hmm. you know, friend of all of ours, and. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned that he was uh, organizing uh, with the city of Hartford a, a cannabis uh, talk, you know, for the community. Mm-hmm. And so I had reached out and I'm like, hey, like, how can I get involved? You know, can I help? And, um, you know, through Jason, which is just, you know, as we all know, just remarkable <laughs> in general. Yeah. My hero. Jason's my hero. Yeah. Yeah, yep, a big shout out to our homie Jason Ortiz for doing his advocacy work back in the day, kind of connecting everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He did. He did. He did. He was a big part of connecting a lot of people together. Huge part. Huge part. And honestly, if it wasn't for, um, you know, like Jason just saying, you know, just not being a gatekeeper, first of all, because, you know, sometimes people like to, you know, just hoard information. But he was really open and um, just just shares information willingly with everyone, with anyone who wants it, you know, um, to, you know, to an extent, not like, you know, <laughs> but it, um, through him, I was able to meet Luis. I was able to meet Kibra, you know, Raph and, and, um, Lou Pino. I, you know, I, I met all of you guys on top of, uh, other people, um, who are doing things in the industry. And, um, you know, we were all involved with QRCT. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um that it it it's you know it started from there you know and really becoming passionate and um just speaking on you know why cannabis is important to to our communities so yeah and we we have to continue speaking on it because here you guys were talking right in the beginning about the difficulties you're still facing because the communities don't really want to accept it or they want to, you know, make it hard for you to come in and do business there, you know. So we still have to normalize it, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and and remove the stigma. But, you know, I think it's almost one of those things where you're going to have to prove it, you know, prove it to them. <laughs> yeah. It was CBD was the same way. It wasn't accepted in the beginning. But now you can see it's almost mainstream. You know what I mean? Like there's CBD products everywhere. There's CBD gummies for kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So CBD has now kind of been accepted in the mainstream. And now I think we just have to take it a next step, uh, you know, with cannabis in general, with, uh, you know, adult legal use cannabis, because we know it's all cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, But so you have some products that you create um, and you do events around the city and you also sponsor a lot of events through So Chill, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, so right now, and um, just quick shout out to my uh, manufacturing partner, Whippa Hemp Farms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we love you too. Yes, yes. <laughs> just a quick <laughs> shout out. Um Right now, uh, social offers, um, and I and I just want to say it's like super important, um, you know, to know where you're getting your uh, products from, um, mm-hmm. and to support um, Black ind- Indigenous um, farmers, you know, people yes. of color, 
because, um, you know, and I remember just, you know, going and talking about, you know, the benefits of CBD and um, people not really, you know, taking what I had to say um, seriously. And I know it was because of uh, the way I looked, you know, they really just questioned like, okay, where are you getting this stuff? You know, sometimes it just as a you know person of color in this industry, it, it not sometimes it is difficult as a person of color in this industry um, to especially guess, in Connecticut. In Connecticut, yes, uh, for yeah. people to take what you have to say seriously and to believe you, you know. Um, so I I do make it a point to to support um, local uh, businesses and most importantly, um, even with my uh, food co-op uh, BIPOC farmers. So um, that's super essential. Um, but right now, um, you know, we're offering gummies and pre-rolls and uh, mini tinctures. Um, and you can find uh, Soul Chill right now in three locations. So SMEA Cafe and Studio on Main Street in Hartford, right across from the Yard Goat Stadium. If you haven't been, you need to go. It's super cute um, and super cozy, um, and they infuse the coffee uh, or tea with the with social CBD, um, oh, nice. and you can find the pre rolls there. Yep, and then uh, higher healing CBD uh, in Bloomfield. Um, so um, I'm actually one of the uh, it's one of two vendors, um, you know, in that store, and then Eco Evolution in, in Norwalk. So they have my pre rolls over there. Um, so. You know, I'm looking forward to expanding, especially now that, um, you know, I have this uh, license um, right. and I will definitely you will definitely see so chill um, on those shelves. So, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to touch base. You mentioned your food co-op a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you what you guys are doing around Hartford? Because I understand what you're saying about, you know, the food. uh food apocalypse coming because uh you know it's 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 happening all over all over the country and all over the world so tell mm -hmm. tell me a little bit and, it, and a lot of it is because people don't know how to grow their own food oh, uh, yeah. and communities have gotten away from uh like co-opting with each other like exchanging exchanging food basically because mm -hmm. i mean i live down here on a on an island right so food grows, you know, fruits especially grow wild here. But some people have mangoes, some people have papayas, some people have bananas. You know, it's not everybody doesn't have every fruit. So when the season where are you comes, at, Joe? I need to live there. Where are you? I need to be where you're Puerto, at. <laughs> I'm in Puerto Rico, right? He's in Vieta. I love it. Yeah. So, yes doing it right uh-huh i'm listening <laughs> it's more community and and people trade their fruits with each other oh i have you know avocados growing and you don't so why don't you give me five mangoes i'll give you four avocados you know because they're worth a little bit different but um you know and that's how it should work the problem is nobody's growing like they used to and and people don't understand how easy it can be just to grow a few things that you like to eat you know, you don't have to grow every damn vegetable in the in the in the book. Just grow the things that you would eat yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can have a small garden even inside your house, you know. But you know, I'm I'm a very much a proponent of self-sustainability. You know, we can't as we've seen in many instances, we can't depend on the authorities or the government 
to always take care of us and to take care of our needs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to take care of our own needs and our community's needs, you know, and that's what it comes down to. We have to take care of ourselves. <laughs> and and that's the community at large as well as our personal selves. But anyway, go and tell us a little bit about the, what the co-op is doing. Well, you hit you hit the nail on the head, Joe, and it is about self-sufficiency. You know, what happens when, uh, you know, another pandemic happens, there's no food on the shelf, uh, you know, things are, you know, delayed. Um, and I mean, right now I was at, a, you know, Whole Foods and the shelves are empty. I don't know why, but there's like nothing on the shelf. No, you know? I've seen it myself, even here. Um, and I've noticed the prices of produce oh, have gone way up. So this is another reason why people should look. If you eat a lot of tomatoes, you can just as easily grow them right there in Connecticut. If you like kale, if you like lettuce, if you like these things, easily grown right there in Connecticut. It's peppers, you know, there are certain crops that won't grow there, but there are a lot of ones that you would eat every day that you can grow yourself and save some money. It may cost you a little bit of time, but you know what I mean? Yes, but you'll save that money, you'll save money, and you'll have, you know, a, a product that, one, you know how, you know who grew it, because you, you, you grew it with you your own yourself, hands. Right? Yeah, you, you grew it yourself, and you know there's no, you know, weird chemicals, no weird preservatives in it, because you, you saw the process happen, right? Um, sorry, I, I'm going to digress a little bit, because um, I'm very, you know, passionate about this. Um mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up um, in Hartford, I, the bodegas, the corner store, they fed me, they fed me and my sisters, you know, we had chips, we had blue juice, we had little sour patch candies for lunch and dinner, right? So uh, eventually that, that stuff is going to affect you as you become an adult, right? right. And um, it's like that all over Hartford. We don't have a main, uh, a big chain grocery store in Hartford. You know, um, and then you have uh, things like, um, you know, shout out to Seatown and Key Foods and all that. But the, the prices are very high, you know, when you, you right. go there and then it's not the best product all the time. Um, so um, through working through the farmers markets and, you know, uh, meeting, again, a lot of farmers, uh, BIPOC farmers. Um, actually, there weren't a lot, but, you know, a community of black indigenous farmers. Um I learned that um, because the farmer's market, not to talk a bunch of shit, but the farmer's markets in Hartford were led by a lot of people who did not get it. There was a big disconnect and they mm -hmm. assumed they knew what the community needed, you know, so you have, um, you know, ultimately, I'm just going to be blunt, white women making decisions for black and brown people. Right. You know, and, you know, make it make sense. It does not make sense. Um, so, um, because I'm, you know, a little business savvy, I'm like, you know what, we're going to do this food cooperative. We're going to have it owned by, you know, partly owned by farmers and partly owned by the community members, you know, so the community members will have a say on, you know, what food can, you know, should go into this grocery store. Right. You know, we're going to make it affordable, you know, through this membership. Um, you know, people can uh, buy groceries or anticipate, um, you know, the cost of their groceries every month. It's not going to, we're not going to have, um, uh, 
I'm sorry, uh, this inflation that uh, people are experiencing um, at their regular, you know, at their regular stop and shop or, you know, Whole Foods or whatever. Um, and the farmers are going to be very engaged with this uh, program um, because not only do they have ownership, but they get to design how they want that to look like as well, if uh, that oh, nice. makes sense. Um, so it's going to, you know, it's going to be sm uh, small to start. Uh, Mercado Pop started off as a winter farmer's market in Hartford um, to ease the need of, I guess, of, sorry, um, to create food access during the pandemic. Right. Um, and the goal of it is just to help educate people on why they should grow their own food, for example, you know, um, how to eat a little better, you know, do we need all those red dyes and white sugar in our diets, you know, um, as people who deal with, you know, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, you know, and these, and there will be workshops that are led by farmers, you oh, know, excellent. yeah, so farmers aren't only, you know, growing your food, they're, you know, um, what is it, uh, weathermen, they're, you know, they're teachers or educators, um, they, I mean, to be a farmer, you have a whole breadth of skills, and like, why not share that with the community, and I'm pretty sure that that's going to be a really exciting um, component, but I digress because uh, attention deficit is a real thing. Um. <laughs> no, it's very interesting. As a matter of fact, I'm really interested in, in this whole topic because, mm -hmm. you know, we're a lot of people get into cannabis, right, because of mm -hmm. health issues. But a lot of people don't realize that most of these health issues start with poor diet and yes. poor lifestyle habits and sometimes even poor mindset. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and if if we can get out there and educate the public that there is a better way to eat uh, and that, you know, part of this is, you know, they make these foods so cheaply, yes. you know, a bag of chips, like you said, is cheap. The soda is cheap. Uh, you know, you, you go to the dollar store, you can you can eat for a week, but it's all garbage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people don't understand that whole foods can be just as inexpensive uh, if you know how to buy them and, or if you know how to grow them, you know, and that's really what it comes down to. We should all be eating whole foods like we used to eat before they created all these artificial fake foods is the best way to describe it. I mean, do you think our grandparents ate that kind of garbage? No, no. no. <laughs> And they lived, my grandfather lived to 103. Why? Because he didn't eat that kind of garbage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like you said, you were diagnosed at 20 with Crohn's, right? And, and I know Uncle Lou, he was diagnosed at a very young age. And, and you mentioned earlier that you lived off the bodega food, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I so was 13, yeah. Yeah. So what we do you think 13. caused it, right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I had my first surgery at, no, I lied. My first surgery was at 13. I was diagnosed when I was like 12. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, an ostomy bag. I had one of those bags that they put on the side of your stomach. And I had all that. I don't have a large intestine. They took some of my small intestine out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry. It's and that's a lot for someone. I mean, for anyone to go through, but especially right when you're at that young at the, age. And isn't Lou, that's about you started using cannabis at a young age, too, because you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it, I'm sure, you know, you may have been doing it for different reasons, but I'm sure it helped. I guarantee it helped. But I was definitely smoking weed at 14 years old. <laughs> like I was some type of little badass. <laughs> 13 for me. So. <laughs> so we're happy when we hear you started in college, Jocelyn. Yeah. Yes, like yes, you waited. You waited. <laughs> Smart woman. But we all still ended up with digestive order disorders. Because yeah. <laughs> we all had poor diets, you know, and I've been I've been dealing with it now still. Um, you know, you because know, that again, is where the basis is and you do is you, you know, I love highlighting your other show that you do on Tuesdays, Joe, because it's a big thing, you know, healthy gut health. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I and do. I it with Dr. Reese. Also on the same wave with healthy gut. Well, healthy gut health. I did not even know about this, Joe. We need to talk. I love. Yeah. You I ought to talk to Dr. Reese. Do you know him? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, I ought to connect you with him because he is right there in Hartford. And oh, he's very wow. much. Yeah, he's got an office. And I will definitely we'll talk off air about that. That would, that be, would be a good thing for you to get involved in. You would like it. He's would, helped yes. me a lot. Yeah, gut health. It's a big topic. Yeah, I mean, the gut, I mean, it's your second brain. I it mean, is. I'm biased. I think it's your first brain because it controls <laughs> your your you know what I mean? Your the brain in your head. But like you guys were saying it. There's so many when when you have a bad diet, it affects your mental health, mm -hmm. you know, and it affects everything else down the line. And I get frustrated. I mean, even if you're not diagnosed with a chronic illness, you feel the effects of a bad diet, you know, and I always hear things like, um, you know, especially within the community of Hartford, you know, about violence about, um, you know, people, I don't know, just being rude or something or um, people not having, uh, you know, motivation to go to work or something like that. Right. right, um, right. People are really hard on on people. And I'm like, well, look at what we have. Look at the resources or lack of resources. Do you think that if you connected people with better foods, with access to land to grow this food, let's right. not keep giving it to the nonprofits, you know, yeah. who are mishandling that by, I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest. No, I understand the organized nonprofits tend to uh, need to make a profit yeah. <laughs> to pay themselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, again, make it make sense, but you know, there's a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to land. And, you know, if, I don't know if a city could give a little plot of land to every, you know, family, um, to grow their own fruits and vegetables. You know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot uh, to plan around that. But if we can start there, I mean, yeah, you'll have a healthier city. <laughs> have you hooked up with Kimora up there? Um, I know Kimora. I have not. We have not had a conversation about this, no. Because she's doing a community garden. I'm sure she'll be getting it up and running this spring again. Mm -hmm. So she does one of them over there as well. It's kind of mm -hmm. a co-op community garden. It's a pretty cool concept. So yes. there are like-minded people out there doing these kind of things. So, I mean, I think it's important for us to communicate with each other and kind of join together and actually form that community 
of people who are concerned, you know, about the future mm -hmm. and sustainability. And I'm not talking about the broad range. I'm just talking about your food sustainability, you know, for right mm -hmm. now. Um, and, and how you could learn to, you know, basically little bit, little bit, little bit more on your own and not be so dependent on the, on the supermarkets. And, and like you say, the shelves are empty. So, you know, well, if, you know, you can make a lot of the things that you could buy in the store. It may not be as convenient, but mm -hmm. I think cooking for yourself and cooking for your family and, and all those kind of things like canning and all those uh, are like lost arts now. And they used mm -hmm. to be passed down through the generations. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm going to so. give a quick shout out to this, uh, these group of farmers. Uh, they're called the I Got Next Farmers Coalition. Um, oh, okay. They're based out of Hartford, but they do a lot of, well, all over, but um, I'm going to say the headquarters is in Hartford. Sorry if I'm wrong, guys. But um, they do a lot of educational workshops uh, through UConn, actually. Um, and I definitely recommend anyone, you know, who's interested um, to look at uh, the programs that UConn and these farmers are doing, um, their webinars, their live sessions, uh, Keeney Park Sustainability Project in Hartford is huge on the education. And it really just takes a little bit of time to, you know, um, just hit somebody up via email or call or whatever and say, how can I learn how to grow tomatoes or lettuce or lettuce is the easiest thing to grow. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> even I know? was able to grow it. Yeah. So it's just, you know, doing little things like that. And we just have to change our habits because they did really condition us so well to depend on the grocery stores, to depend on Amazon for things, right. you know, and that's going to be cut short soon. So. Yeah, absolutely will be. And uh, it's nice that you're kind of leading the charge up there in Hartford and, you know, before we, you know, we got about five minutes left, but I mean, we've gone full circle from your start. Now you're here with Shangri-La. Mm -hmm. um, you're ready to move into the legal space. Um, how long do you think it's going to be uh, before you start construction? Before, I mean, does it all depend on finding a spot or what is what is your next steps? Let's put it that way. All right. So we definitely have to, um, you know, solidify some space still. Um, it's uh, coming to like we're, you know, narrowing it down, um, but still haven't selected, uh, you know, the locations. Um, but I'm hoping that by mid 2023, at least by the uh, second or third quarter of 2023, that we will be starting that construction and building our workforce and that right. mm -hmm. so a lot of exciting things it's, so it's, you said you had four licenses are they going to be mostly in the Hartford area or are you going to spread them around the state we are going to spread them around the state oh, um, very. yes so definitely looking into the Fairfield County area as well um, and then uh, maybe uh, I think like Farmington Valley may be one, but we'll see. Um, but Hartford definitely is getting a Shangri-La dispensary. No question about it. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's very, very awesome. Um, <laughs> Jocelyn. And, and I wanted to ask you both, this has been a burning question of mine and I forgot to ask um, while we were talking. What's about up the, brother? The legal sales, the weed that they're going to be selling, right? 
are you is it going to be normal strain names or are they going to give it dumb medical sounding names are we actually going to be able to go into a store and and buy sour diesel blue dream wedding cake or is it going to be named something silly so tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow when they open up there will be names but it's for the established strains that are already in the in the database so it's when so like when jocelyn's cultivation facility opens up you'll be able to get something like a chem dog or whatever strain she opts for when nautilus opens up we'll be doing the same you know but right now they're coming from the established medical facilities so you're saying the established medical facilities didn't come up with new strains for adult use they're just pushing out the same stuff they're selling on the medical market I I can't you know it's the same flower brother I'm, you know what I mean they're doing their thing but I'm not them I didn't partner with them I didn't build theirs Jocelyn's bringing a whole new op- operation well that's to the it and that's where, what we're you know looking what I mean? forward we're creating a whole to, new operation man. that's where we're at with what we're doing but the ones you know everybody's got their lane I stay in my lane Joe I hear you bro <laughs> okay. all right Jocelyn it's been great talking to you tell us how people can get in touch with you how they can find out more about So Chill, how they can find out more about the co-op, and also, you know, where they can get updates about Shangri-La. Yes. Uh, so you can, I'm on Instagram, uh, So Chill CBD. I have a website, SoChillVibes.com, if you want to look at some products. And Mercado Pop CT on IG, on Facebook as well. And uh, you can always uh, send me a private message, a DM. I'll respond. Just get, you know, give me a day or two. Uh, but I definitely will respond. And um, with Shangri-La, um, Connecticut, we'll be making an IG page, social media page soon, um, just to talk about. But honestly, if you follow me on my private page, you'll get some, you'll get some information. You'll get the updates. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> So, All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for having me. This was fun. We okay. appreciate you very much. And we really look forward to all the great things you're going to do in Canada. Yeah, Justin. Thanks again for coming you. on. Do you have any Thank events you. coming up uh, that people can see so chill at? Or is it pretty uh, quiet right now? Um, so I'm actually uh, getting ready to ramp up for the second quarter of 2023. Um, so people can um, just look forward to networking events. Um, and last year we, uh, threw a event called high meadows. Um, I remember that. Yes. Which was very successful. So I'm looking forward to doing that again this year. Um, and hopefully the events will just keep getting bigger and better as the years progress. So I'm very excited. So just keep, uh, keep a lookout. I, I post on my pages when I'm having an upcoming event. Um, but we're definitely working this year. So um, you're going to be sick of me. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. It's always yeah. good to have good people around. Thank all right, you. Jocelyn. Thank you so much. Uncle Lou, do you have any last words? Nope. We're just getting at it. Enjoyed everybody. Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for joining us. We really look forward to everything that's happening for our listeners. Make sure they look out for everything that's coming up. Cannabis, uh, the adult use market is here. And there are so many new opportunities coming in. Um, the only way to really change anything is to be part of it. So look out that's for the Cannabis Workforce Training that's going to be going on. Look out for Norris Botanicals. Look out for Shangri-La. Look out for Nora Vert. You know, there's so many great places. Um, 
So have a great right. day, everybody. And everybody, um, congratulations, Connecticut. Like, share, subscribe at Greenhaven Media, at Cannabis Corner Radio, at Joe the Weed Guy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks again. Peace out. Before I got high, come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh, I'm taking it next semester, and I know why.